got them guts. <laughs> Cut you up like you ain't been cut, been cut. <laughs> oh, yay, 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 yay. Everybody, if you know, you know. Welcoming you to another episode of the Broke Black Bougie Podcast, where we create candid conversations about life, money, and wellness for young black women. And it's relatable. We've all been there. Women having to make it on less than our worth. We do it while setting trends, spreading black assness, and ultimately busting our tails to live our best life. And with that being said, tag team back again. We back again with it for another episode. And I feel like today y'all really going to like this episode. Ain't that right, shit? That's right. That's right. And uh, it's going to be good. But before we get into the politicking segment, let's catch up, do the catch up, and, you know, feel the move, see how everything going and flowing and showing. How everything going with you? Go on and do it. Do, do it. it. Do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. Whatever it is. <laughs> that's what you've been doing? That's what you, that's, that, that's been your move? That's my move as of right now. Mm, mm. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, not bad. Um, uh, just chilling. Um, really uh, getting into deep thought about my next game plan. Mm-hmm. I. It's been a very eye-opening process. Trying to figure out how to maneuver, but mm-hmm. that's a lesson in disguise for me. So I'm trying to uh, deep, deep, deep thought. Mm. And this game plan. And yourself, how have you been doing? I would say a bit of the shame. A bit of the shame. Um, shame. This weekend, well, this past weekend, I went to Atlanta um, and attended the One Music Fest. And I got my life and I got re-motivated and re- revitalized, so to speak. And I recognized how much of, how much of like just black ass experiences I've really been missing out on. Now, it's not to say that we haven't had black ass experiences, right? Because I know for you and me both, like we've done a lot of music festivals together. One of the first music festivals we went to was centered around old school hip hop. And that was a beautiful experience. But because we grew up in upstate New York, right? Constantly having those types of events are very much so limited um, simply because it comes around once in a blue moon, once during the summer. Um, You may have an event during the winter time, but the market in which we are able to see big name acts and just be in a space of black asses is very, very weird. And I think that also speaks to the fact that like New York can be very white. Okay, in terms of the demographics, especially upstate, um, from restaurants, businesses, uh, just who these places are marketing towards, right? You're going down south or you're going somewhere like the city and you walk into places that play your music. It's not their, your music is not being switched off. You know, it's centered around the black experience. And so for me, I think I'm thinking about ways in which I want to reclaim my time in that sense and just center myself around more things that surround the the surround just black culture because it really improves my quality of life like I shouldn't have to hunt for a nail tech I even though I got a, a black owned nail tech shout out to nails by Ness even though I shouldn't have to try to figure out who who the hell gonna do my hair it should be endless people that I could be able to access you know it's just 
for me, the quality of life matters and being around black people is what really warms my heart. So up and out of these white spaces and up and into spaces that serve my energy. Yeah. I love it. That's what it's been about. I love it. Like you said, it fuse and it just it just it just pours into your spirit. Yeah. It pours into your mental, it pours into your physical, it pours into every every aspect of who you are as a as a as a black woman. So when you like you said, just just the simple things of trying to find a hairstylist or a nail tech or you know, just supporting black businesses, period. Mm-hmm. I get it. I like it a lot. I like it like that. And, you know, I've been kind of very sensitive of my look and, you know, my weight gain since the pandemic and all of these things and going down there and just really being outside. And, like, I know motherfuckers got me on camera cutting a rug, screaming, going crazy for the locks. And I don't really appreciate that shit because I want to be going crazy in private. But you know what? The wig, the glasses, the look, I would never have to repeat that again. So I don't know who that girl is. (laughs) I don't know who that girl is. But I must say, though. But I I must must say. say, Mm -hmm. The video that I saw that was was captured in the moment, it was nice. It was nice, right? It was so nice. It was, I felt like we was at the family reunion. Who we introduce? Who we introduce? But no. All right. To get into it, to introduce the politicking segment for today, we are going to be having a conversation about the Squid Games and how the Squid Games, the different lessons and themes we were able to pick out and how it relates to what we understand, right, and being Black bodies today. Now, I tend to be somebody who definitely overanalyzes things. And I think as a scholar, intentionally analyzing shit is something that, like, I've always loved to do. But I think it's something that we do, period, because we've watched a lot of shows that speak to what's going on in humanity. And I felt like the first time we really got... We really sat down and analyzed a show to this capacity was during The Walking Dead, right? And I wasn't going to watch the show, but I know that everybody don't, everybody in their mind been watching this goddamn show. And so I said to myself, I said, self, well, we're going to cut a rug in on the motherfucker, okay? And we're going we're gonna to watch it and we're going to see what this experience is like. And when I watched it, for those of you who have not watched it, I'm going to let you know that this episode is going to take super duper massive spoils. And if your ass don't want to know what the hell has been going on, I either advise you to not listen to this episode, but if you want to listen to this episode and then tap in, go right ahead. But, um, I wasn't going to originally watch it because I thought it had something to do with squids. And I don't know what's been going on lately with my algorithm, but I've been seeing a lot of squirming shit, like two squids sitting on a, a subway, just, just sitting on a subway, just like, Hey, chilling. And people having that picture go viral. Um, I've seen a squid literally, uh, squirm its way out of a cup. And to this day, the look of that and just the, Oh my God. Like I've shot my phone on multiple times during, you know, Instagram and I had to scream and it's just, monitoring or or you know curating for different pages it's just been too motherfucking much and I don't I don't I don't really deserve this so 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 before we get into it just tell me sis how you've been feeling in regards to watching this show and uh who made you watch the show because I know it was me yeah it was you it was you you know I I... I know it was me it was you but here's the funny thing 
I, I'm just like you. I'm like, listen, I ain't trying to watch no damn squids on the damn game. What is this shit? Right. Not this right now. So when I heard that you were watching, I'm like, yo, okay. So if she watched it, I know for a fact that there's no squids involved. So I was still hesitant. But I was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead and dive in. And made it so bad. I, I had mom tag along with me to watch the, the uh, first episode. Now I watched it in in the actual um, native language of the people that that that, that are on there. But Korean. I realized that there was there was a, a English version also that you can that you can uh, 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 um, watch the the series. Mm-hmm. But man, when I tell you just how vulnerable I felt for those individuals that were dealing with different hardships in their lives and how they were willing to risk their own lives in order to make those who are around them's lives be better. It spoke volumes. Mm-hmm. A lot of times us as individuals who are struggling with food insecurity, who are struggling with making ends meet, just being below the poverty line, Hell, not even below the poverty line. We are beneath it. We are really, truly beneath it. Right. And trying to wrap your head around how can I uh, uh, make sure that I don't ever have to struggle in my life again. But yet, sometimes we get so confound to the box that we're in, we don't see outside of our our our, our box that we're in. We only see those four those four walls. And trying to get out is a hassle. Because we're always falling back into that, conf- that that confinement of that box. So watching the Squid Games, I said how ironic it is we're seeing something that is in a is in a different native language, but yet they're still experiencing the same exact thing that we experienced to this very day. Mm. In 2021, we're talking about the same exact things that we have been dealing with for years, us in the Black community. And it's ironic how people who have the means to help are using their means to help to harm those who are struggling. I'm going to close you off right here and we're going to get into the politicking segment um, because we're going to unpack this right now. All right, so entering into the politicking segment, one of the things that I really want to pull from, like you said, um, diving deeper into the themes is just the world of what was happening during these Squid Game challenges, right? The reality is a group of adults who are financially vulnerable are getting together to play children's games with a very high cost, right? And most of the characters believe, right, later on within the series that what they are currently experiencing is better than the outside world. But all of the problems that exist in the outside world also exist within Squid Game because only one person can win. And sure, you can shoot your best shot, but only one person can win. You know, we even see a uh, couple, you know, a wife and a husband get together and ultimately the wife dies because she loses the marble game, right? And then that husband ends up dying by suicide. So all of the problems that exist in the outside world also heavily exist within the inside world and uh, of this, you know, simulation. And 
all of the isms that we see from ageism to sexism, you know, this is supposed to be a place where democracy rules, but we know to, for it to be a fact that just because a place is a democracy don't mean all people have a voice and are treated equal. And the thing that really, really grinds my gears the most is how we've all looked at this fictional game and said, wow, these people are oppressed and I can see how this oppression has affected their ability to succeed. And we don't recognize how we are all living in the squid game. Like we are living, we are living in a squid game. It's just that those who are most marginalized have been impacted historically. And just for being a black body, we've seen this shit. We know what it's like to be a poor black body. We know that in order to receive help, you have to demonstrate need. We know that we have to talk about how and always explain why we're the odd ones out. We know that people don't necessarily always see the history of how we've arrived in this place. It hasn't been decision-based as we see with most of the characters who have had expensive behaviors or were, were, were leaning on debts or just making bad decisions with money. Like our exploitation was rooted in us being chattel, right? And the exploitation we see today persists out of that system of exploitation. So it kind of mind fucks me when I think about like the Squid Game as a, a excellent show that talks about you know, oppression in one of the highest forms, right? And how capitalism exists as a problem in our community, but how we can't look outside of a fucking fictional show to see how this disrupts our lives now. Does that make sense? Oh my God. It makes a hell of a lot of sense. I literally watched this game and as you were talking, like some of the things kept coming back to me, like they were, everybody was numbered from one to 456. And I looked at how, when you mentioned that only one person can win, I think about the 1% that is mm-hmm. wealthiest individuals in the country mm-hmm. compared to all the other individuals who are, who are striving to at least be some percentage of, of, uh, of better off from where they, from where they started. Everything is on a heightened platform. Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's a there's a there's a true extreme to this game based upon what they were already dealing with in the real world i looked at how each individual came into this game they were gambling with the individual that had this envelope that they if they were to win he would give them a certain amount x amount of dollars and vice versa if he were to win they would have to give him that mm-hmm but instead, they switched off and they didn't have that money. They switched off with uh, getting slapped for that period of time that they were playing this game with him. They were gambling. You think about how a lot of us as in the Black community, what was the main thing we heard growing up? Man, I win this lottery. I'll be able to do such and such, such and such. Mm-hmm. That was like taking a gamble. And I look at how a lot of us still to this very day think that the lottery will be our end all to be all. Mm-hmm. Out of the the poverty, the the the, the um, uh, desperation or the the uh, uh, way that we are living as of right now, that that we don't desire to live, but yet we have no quote unquote choice mm-hmm. to get out of. So looking at the the squid games, we are actually playing the squid games, not voluntarily. Us as black folks, not voluntarily. No mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. systems that be that have been set up 
to, to really make it harder for us to even get our, our, our uh, 40 acres and a mule. The infrastructures that has been built. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The ways that we have to maneuver around the game to get to where we get to. To get to where we need to get to, excuse me. You look at that, that, that uh, what was it that they had to sign a contract? That was three, mil- three things they had to follow. Which was to- number one. Right. Right. Hold up. Hold up. Let me get to it. Cause I, I got, I got it up right now. Number one consent clause was one was a player is not allowed to stop playing. Right. Consent clause two was that a player who refuses to play will be eliminated. And then consent clause three is if all of the players agree to stop playing, the games are allowed to end. But this is basically based on majority rule. Right. Like, really analyze that shit. When I first saw them sign that contract, I'm like, yo, so this is it? This is all to their contract that they're signing? But there's that's, that, that, that only scratches the surface, the surface of what they're, they're truly dealing with. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, and even for them to get to the point where these people were sought out, Right. Yes. They were literally sought out. The man with the nice haircut, with the, the the pink or blue envelope, like he intentionally seeks people out who are, you know, vulnerable and in need. And mm-hmm. what we don't see is how the pink envelope may lead to, you know, it, it's one theory that a lot of people have said after watching the show is that, um, the pink envelope might be utilized for somebody who serves as uh um the one of the managers the mass managers of the game which i i absolutely do believe to be true but to get these contestants they know where to find people who need assistance and they know a lot about their business you know and so at this point the exploitation becomes not only am I bringing you into this game, not only are there three rules to this game, right, in terms of, like, the clauses, but the reality is there is, it's so ambiguous, there's no room for you to even clarify in a way, uh, in, in a way where you can win. It's only meant for one person to win anyway. <sighs> which is, which is so disheartening. And how they dangle this big ass piggy bank over their head. Mm-hmm. Game progresses. And looking at that, I think about how, I, you know, like so many things come to mind. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just all over the place, but I just, I just, I just want to get my thoughts out. You know, looking at the census. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, how many people are so against the census because people feel that the government is trying to get in your business <laughs> right <laughs> but the government knows so much about you even without you volunteering with the with the census mm-hmm. you get what i'm saying there's other ways of them getting into your personal into your personal business and knowing everything about you so like you said with each character 
this person knew every single thing about them, what they were dealing with, what they were, what, what, what type of debt they were in. And it was so, it, it, it was so disheartening because, you know, even at the point where they all came to a majority, a, a majority rule to end the game at first, and then they go back home and things are, it seems 10 times worse be, before, be, you know, before they even left. Right. But the idea is, if I have the money, if I have the money, and it's like money is not going to solve the solution of what happens with the trauma that you see, the your right. mental, physical, emotional depletion. Like there's a whole entire world that exists after you you come out of that space. And we see that, right, right. Um, towards the end of, well, like the final episode. You know, when the main character um, wins. Which his name is... Goodness, goodness, I always get his name mixed up. Um, not Han, but it's not Han. Jihan, Jihan. Yeah. Thank you. Because it's say bulk bo- bo- in uh, Jihan, or Jihan, yeah. So, you know, those those are very real things. And what I found to be so interesting was how Player 001, also known as Ilnam, um, is how he found him saying, oh, but I'm going to go back. Yeah, I live around here. You don't fucking live live around there. Your ass don't live around there. You don't live around... I'm sorry, y'all, because I know I'm, I'm jumping, ju- ju- jumping, jumping. But no, you don't live around there. You intentionally sought him out because you wanted him to come back to the game. And you played on your your brain tumor and you played this game as if you weren't a powerful figure and you're the whole fucking creator of this shit. And the sad part, when looking at this whole entire process of this game, when the detective... Folks, bear with us. We are all over the place. Mm-hmm. But the detective that was... that the, Excuse me, the cop that was investigating about his brother's disappearance how he was going into the files and how they were they were dating back to 2015. I'm like, yo, so this shit has been going on for how long now? Since the 80s. Since the 80s. And I'm like, yo, so they literally have been killing off people and yet for some for some reason nobody has been truly willing to investigate the disappearances of individuals that have that have gone and have not come back. But their organs have been, their organs have been taken, right? Because organ yes. harvesting was a very big part of, yes, um, the the game. You know, they were their yes. bodies were being burned, but their organs were being kept. It was just, uh, there's just so many different parallels to the real world that disturbs the fuck out of me when I think about what this represents. It it took a minute. I have to be honest, you know, after after I I finished before you because I could I just couldn't stop watching. I couldn't like mom and I couldn't stop watching this series and every episode we like the first episode was so traumatic to see what took place with the shooting. Mm -hmm. I literally paused with my mouth open and looked at mom like what what are we watching right now? What is what is happening? 
And like you said, you notice that they're playing childhood games, but yet at the end, if somebody does not win, those who are left over are, 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 are killed. Mm. And I, I, you know, looking through the whole entire series, you see the food insecurity, mm-hmm. you see the clicking up of trying to take over territory. Mm-hmm. So of course, survival of the fittest, you see, like you said, the sexism, you see, um, uh, ageism. Uh, uh, say it again. Ageism. Yes, ageism. You see, um, them putting, them throwing out different, different things to have these people utilize to kill off each other. And it was, <laughs> I was, I, after finishing the whole se- the whole season and that talking with you, I can tell in your voice when you were talking to me that it was really triggering. Mm-hmm. As each episode you're watching, things get more and more intense. You start to feel for these characters, you start to feel their emotion because you're like, yo, even though this is a fictional quote unquote game, this shit is truly happening. Mm-hmm. As in we in different ways in our lives, yeah. Different ways in our lives. Like this, like I, I, I couldn't even fathom the, the things that people were, like I said, when you're at a vulnerable state and you are, when desperation, you know, sets in and yeah, you're trying to, to, to win as this, this big, huge, large lump sum, lump sum of cash, you are willing to do any and everything, but at what cost? It is like, <sighs> The cost of solely seeking money is a very high price to pay. But it's a price that so many of us are willing to pay, right? Especially when you don't have it because you feel like this will solve all of your money. Like, you know, we're told all the time that money doesn't buy you happiness, but neither does being broke, which is why we see the examples of people who are turning to oppression, right? And turning into to very stressful situations in order to make ends meet. I think Sagwoon Woo's story is one that made me think about Shane from The Walking Dead. Because Shane turned, but he was also very sick in the head, the way he was operating. Remember when he killed... um, Goodness, goodness, goodness. Otis. Otis. He shot Otis and had Otis be eaten, uh, eaten alive so that he, sh- he could survive, right? Yes. When I think about that and how that was a very terrible death that really affected me watching that on television, how he was just innocent and his life was just, you know, sacrificed for his evil, you know, his his evil mindset. I think about the way Sing Woo did the same thing. Like, he did the same shit when it came to Ali. And that really destroyed me. Like, Sang-woo Sang went to Korea's Harvard, right? CO um, National University. He was a valedictorian. You know, he was highly educated. But he also was a man who had police following him and wanting him to surrender himself. He also was, um, you know, someone who mortgaged his mother's home and her stall market, um, stall um, her market stall on a failed bet, which was worth what six billion dollars, 
right? Like he has constantly found himself in a very messy situation. And he also knew how certain games worked within early on within the Squid Game challenges. But he, and I keep saying Squid Game challenges, but I'm just referring to, you know, the title of the show or whatever, to the the kid games. But he intentionally, oh, I don't think we should put our eggs in one basket, didn't want his friends that he made to survive because he wanted to be a fucking crab and have everything to himself. So it's like a dog eat dog world, right? Mm-hmm. And um for me it was just one of those things where I'm like, yo, even the way he did Ali, I'm thinking he has the best interest of this man in his heart so that they could both win. But when it came to him losing to Ali, it was like this is impossible. I can't lose to you. Right. And mm-hmm. technically, although they were all people of color, Ali, Ali was the darkest baby. OK. Yes. And it was like his life as an immigrant with, with his with his sending for his wife and his child to just leave. Like. He wasn't he, he wasn't even able to go back to his family. That shit crippled me to the point of no return. It made me feel like like after watching that, I did feel I'm not going to say lifeless, but I definitely felt triggered. And I'm like, I need to recognize why I feel so triggered watching the show and really how it relates to all of the isms and the things that I see in our walking lives. You know, and I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm not laughing at, at the situation that took place in the game. What I'm laughing at is my mom picked up on, our, you know, our mother picked up on what happened at that very moment that the game shifted. For Ali and what's his name, Su Wong? Um, uh, 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 Sang Wu. Sang Wu. Off the rip, my mom was like, he took his marbles. I'm like, mom, what are you talking about? And she literally said, no, he has his marbles. He has, he has those marbles. He took all of those marbles. And before I knew it, I saw two pouches one that Ali had and the one that the other character had and I was like mom you were right he has all this young man's marbles and this young man has only rocks and sure enough when he opened up his pouch and he he showed all those rocks he knew he was dead and like you said it it, it um it bothered me uh with him yeah Ali's he, death yeah, he. There was a few. There was a few of the deaths that that all of it bothered me, but there was there was ones that really triggered me also. Um, he was one of them. Uh, of course, wanting to get back home to his wife and his and his child, and um, trying to you know be a quote unquote play the game the best way he could as a quote unquote friend to somebody who turned their back on him. Mm-hmm. And um, he was willing to risk his life for his own. And you thought you mentioned about the the uh, the crab in the um, in the barrel. You know, I, I think about how you know they always associate that with 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 us. Right. You know, crab in the barrel, and how you know when one tries to get out, somebody always try to bring that person back. I just think if we knock that fucking barrel over and have us all out in the open. Ain't 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 ain't, ain't nothing that that's holding us back. Mm-hmm. I think that that bucket itself is just what we've been dealing with for for centuries who the fuck put us in that bucket right exactly and yet 
now we're trying to gain our footing and there's so many different things that so many different loops and obstacles that we got to get through in order to get to the things that we desire to have for not only ourselves but for our family Mm -hmm. and that's how i look that's how i associate the squid games these people were willing to jump through fucking hoops willing to fucking jump bridges just to get what they needed for not only themselves but for them before their family but if you look at the main character's whole mannerism after he won everything he was not the same person no it didn't matter and who would be if your mom is gone right if the people around you you care about have all died and you watch them die tragically and and now you expect me to go back into this quote-unquote world trusting individuals around me thinking that they have my best interests at heart and they don't. So it, oh man. Even before I knew about the old man and, and his evil tactics, I felt so bad for Jihan because the closeness and just the vulnerability, he was willing to risk his own life to make sure that that man was okay. Mm-hmm. To make sure that he at least had somebody with him so that he wasn't killed. But, but what yeah, man played on his emotions and his intelligence the whole entire game. Right. And we're presented with Jihan as a character who is is gullible, who is not really on point, who mm-hmm. who is easily um taken advantage of, right? We 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 recognize that. And I think for Jihan it's very frustrating because when I look at him as a character and how he evolved, the the life, the joy, the, oh, I'm trying to save this person, this person, like the spirit that he had did shift. But one, one of the things that I knew is he didn't want to team up with 001. He didn't want to, he didn't want to team up with player one when it came to them pairing up for marbles because they thought it was going to be a game of just strength. And that's where the ageism came in. I'm sure that the old man would have been fine. He would have probably been whisked away. And instead of appearing to die, it would have gave him the out before the uh, square game came, right? But that wasn't the case. They allowed him to play, and he was the only person that we didn't see get murdered. Right. But it's quite interesting because when I think about their relationships, it was a bond. But he also was exploited on multiple occasions because he needed the game more than the old man. And on top of that, the old man told him, but you exploited me by playing on my brain tumor. And I'm like, isn't it funny how things come full circle? Because you played the fuck out of all of us. Mm -hmm. Which made me realize one of the most common themes of the show is just because somebody appears good does not mean they can't have evil tendencies. Facts. Uh, wow. Um, it, I, oh, man. I, oh, wow. Um, can I, can I just kind of go back to the husband and wife? Situation? Oh, yes, of course. The evil 
that exists in, in, in the world that we live in today. Mm -hmm. And in this game where they had a couple playing this game, knowing the risk that it, that it, that it had, and yet they did not care. Mm -hmm. They were meeting the quota and they needed to have the amount of people there in order to play these games. But when I tell you, when that husband, I don't know how he won the game. I don't know if she gave him those marbles. I don't know what took place, but for him to come back there and yet not have his wife and yet knowing that his wife had 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 died after that game, that, that took a toll on me. Mm. Even with him being found hung and they had a take him down and take him out of the area where they were living, the headquarters where they were living. I was like, you know what? This, this shit has been gotten out of hand, but yeah, as of right now, where do we stand on the things that matter most? Right. And yet, you know, having these multi-billionaires come to this extravagant uh, a place to watch these people play and yet the whole entire time we realized they're watching them play this game from the very first game till the end. I'm like, yo, you think we're fucking pawns? Mm -hmm. Do you do you do you really think that their life is not more than what your life is? And not oh, only that, precisely. I started to think about okay, are these people have they played this game before? And are and are and are these people the winners of this game? And the only reason why I say that is because when I look at Jihan as he's trying to get on this plane, I'm like, okay, so is he going back to the actual game as a spectator of what he just went through? And now he's going to be watching these people that's coming in do the same exact thing? Because it's ironic that we see him leaving, but then you realize that the young man that brought him into the game at the train station, he sees that same exact man doing the same exact thing he did to another young man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so is this is this a repeat? Is this a, a a repeat of what now we're seeing from the back end of him being a winner, coming back to this quote unquote cave or whatever they were located to watch other individuals do the same exact thing that he just been through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they decided to kind of trigger back, like like yo, like well. I start to like kind of dig deep, like, yo, are these people previous winners from different series of Squid Games? That's what I automatically thought. So what I got from that was that those were the friends that collectively came together to create the game, that they were the founders. The previous winners, I don't know where the fuck they're at. I don't know where the fuck this I don't know where the fuck they are at. But I know that there is a process that we don't see, and it's how can one become the front man. And Jihong, once again, abandoned his child to go try to be Captain Save-A-Ho. I think his thing is he wants to bring down the organization that he fought to win for money. But he was willing to walk away but his friend was like, no, fuck that. Take the money. His friend. I say that very loosely. Sing woo, sing woo. You're fucking annoying. 
it's just a lot of things that, you know, it, it just, like I said, it, it just triggers them. You know, a lot of things that you see in that Squid Games, even though they were playing child childhood games, they're being killed if they didn't win. And look what we're dealing with right, as of right now with the food with the food insecurities, with the food deserts around our community. When it comes to um, this whole coronavirus, and yet how many of us in, in in the black community have died due to other underlying conditions that we were dealing with? When it comes down to our education systems that we're lacking, way behind our quote unquote suburban counterparts, you know. It, 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 there's a lot of things that I said that just it's just so disgusting to me watching this that makes you think about the shit that we're dealing with as of right now and what we're fighting to deal with. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and it doesn't feel safe. It doesn't feel no. comfortable. It doesn't feel welcoming because no. what we constantly see is how being exploited. And how there, how how be how it, how costly is it to be exploited? How costly is it to be poor? How getting the short end of the stick can greatly shape our ability to maneuver and be whole, you know? Um, and that's a very real thing. Everybody had a price on their body. It even got to the point where we saw the game evolve from. All right, it's us harming you to you guys harming each other so that we can get to the point where the last game is Squid Game and one person fights to the death in order to win. They created the game in that manner and left these people with scarcity intentionally to have them harm each other and get through a series and, and be spectacles. That's what it was. And so seeing that and recognizing how that has shaped like the real world and what we see today, it's just like, yo, like there are so many parallels to our society where people are on bended knee all the time. We see people who need help and we're trying to give them a formula or a damn it, a, a, a list of, of markers that they need to check off to show that they are somebody in need. Right, we see people all the time where crime exists the highest, where poverty exists, and we're so fucking confused about how to 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 decrease crime. Recently, today, there's been reports about how New York City shoplifting has increased, but I'm like, there are billionaires who exist in New York City. All of the money in the world moves through New York City, and you mean to fucking tell me this pandemic? has robbed people of their sanity, of their loved ones, of their fucking peace, and you're surprised that shoplifting has increased? What have you done to to, to prevent poverty from happening? Where the fuck are these stimulus checks for people? Exactly. And my thing is this, too. Like, you know, not for nothing. Yes, y'all guys gave us, quote, unquote, these stimulus checks. So that just tells me right there, you guys had you guys had the fucking money to pay your debts. Period. So you had to pay your debts, too. But you haven't chose to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You haven't chose to because you're making too much money off of those who are in need. Yes. I don't want to hear about the bullshit about, oh, you're seeing crime is uh, it's, 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 it's increasing in certain areas or yet this fucking shoplift. Who gives a fuck? Because mm-hmm. the 1% is going to still be making money even during the worst time, which is this fucking pandemic. I don't want to hear that. It angers me that we're still talking about this shit in 2021. Yes. 
that our ancestors have been dealing with for how long now? There has no fucking apology to us. I don't want to hear that. And the powers that be, I mean, you got so many people that that, that, that is hoping that the government will just will just hear and, 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 and hear their plea and hear their cry. It's like, yo, they don't give a fuck about you. If they did, this shit wouldn't be happening right now. But these systems that are fucking in place are are, are benefiting those who are who had the fucking upper hand. It's, it, 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 it angers me. It angers me. It frustrates me. Because we're time and time again talking about it. It's a fucking game that we're watching on, on a fucking Netflix series. And yet this shit is relatable to what we're dealing with as of right now, as today, as we sit here and talk about this shit on Broke Black Bougie podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You won't always want to say, oh, you know, they're targeting each other. Nah, man, Nick, stop, stop saying that. Because fuck, crime's crime, period. I don't want to keep it by the fucking black or black crime. Fuck that. Crime's crime, period. Do you say that shit when it's Asian on Asian? Do you say it was on white on white? No, fuck that. Crime's crime, period. Right. But in the situations that we're dealing with things that is in our community, people are trying to survive by any means necessary. Right. People go to the underground economy when they can't access work. People dropped out of school because of the conditions and shit that they face. They go to extra mile in order to survive in ways in which we've probably never experienced. We lived in poverty, but there's always been a hierarchy of poverty. And we recognize that in looking at, you know, um, our loved ones from family and friends and also looking at certain experiences that we were just protected from. It doesn't mean we didn't know those things existed. Right. And so the hierarchy of poverty sometimes have those who are poor looking down on others. It had those who are poor exploiting other people. It has those who are poor entering into underground economies that are not best for their lives and can be a gamble with their lives. But they're doing this out of survival because in the regular world, it is so hard and they're being exploited so much to make a dollar out of 15 cents. You know, it's so funny that you said that. That line from Pop, uh, keep your head up. It's hard to um, be legit and still pay your rent, period. You know, my man was so young discussing about the topics that we still do it to this very day. And for him being so young and understanding that this system this system wasn't set up for us to, to achieve anything. You look at when it comes down to uh, uh, welfare, welfare and how those systems back in the day was not for us. You're telling me that a woman has to not uh, have her husband on the farm in order to get benefits? Mm-hmm. You were already set in, in stone that you wanted separation. Mm-hmm. 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 Literally the separation of the Black family. Literally how the, the war on drugs became a war on Black people. Literally how today we see white people becoming millionaires and billionaires from the marijuana industry, yet we are only able to access $12 an hour jobs. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make, let this, let this shit make sense. The same as that crimes that you put us in jail for, for felonies. Now, now we can't end up getting a job. Squid game. Now we can't end up getting uh, an education Squid game. because of the fact that we got this on our fucking name. Squid game. And, and the saga really continues. I think we summed up a lot. About. There's so much we can talk about, though. It really is. Yeah. It's not just what we're seeing. I know so many people probably say, like, yo, like, y'all went hard or thought about it a lot. Yeah, because this shit, 
even though it was a don't get me wrong it was a it was a it was a very entertaining show first from start to finish mm-hmm. but it also spoke volumes to the shit that we deal with today and the powers that be are looking at us as fucking pawns in in this game and yet they're still making money there are so many roadblocks that have been set up that is so hard for us trying to get through these fucking roadblocks and then when you fucking knock down one barricade there's fucking 400 other barricades you gotta knock down Yo, Meek Mill said something in comparison to the Squid Game. And he said, Squid Games, pay attention to how fast people switch and kill each other to survive. Now think about the hood poverty. It's the exact same thing. If you just help them with work and money, they won't be that way. Just a common sense message. And I'm like, "Mm, now we're getting at the root of the issue it's not that these people are lazy it's not that these people don't have resources it's not that these people don't have the time the work the, the blah 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 it's not that people are poor because of their mindset it's literally that people are in a very serious condition of poverty that can either make or break you right and for many of us this cycle cripples us we've seen this with our family we've seen this with our parents right we're a constant cycle of being in need and never being able to get up and what often happens and what we've seen a lot is violence in our community where people do switch and kill each other to survive or they enter into underground worlds with different rules and regulations that are very similar to the squid game and if they had their needs met if we were truly meeting their needs we would see a decline in what these people have to endure and experience. There you have it. (sighs) There you have it. So this has been a very, 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 very heavy episode of the politicking segment. And I think we should introduce a new segment Centered on happy feelings. Hit it. Happy feelings in the air. Touching people everywhere. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Every time somebody be wanting this thing, they be like, Ooh, ooh, yeah. They think doing the ooh, yeah, it's going to make them, ooh, yeah. It's going to make them sound good. So we've tested and tried to do multiple different variations of segments. Um, I think catching a coin is still something that we want to do, but we do recognize that most of our episodes are centered around catching a coin or doing things or having a discussions about things that help us to evolve our coin. So we are introducing a new segment here on the Broke Black Bougie podcast that focuses on talking about things that are making us happy, focusing on the wellness part of our experiences as being black bodies and being black women. So with that being said, what has made you happy this week, Big Sis? Can I just say, mm-hmm. this artist, I've 
I've been listening to for, I want to say ever since 2019, and it's been Isaiah Rashad. Um, the first song that I've ever heard from him was um, What's Wrong with Kendrick Lamar. And when I tell you that shit had me, at, it's, it's a vibe, like his whole way of, of, of rhyming just a vibe. But his new album, mm. House is Burning, that shit has been on repeat on my Spotify to the point where I can't even get past Dark Said. Niggas, please, please, whatever you do, please listen to this dude's album. Not you, sounding like Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> Just listen to his album. I mean, I literally have this joke on rewind, and then what you said, like that, that right there is just, I'm like, ah, I can't, I can't get over it. Like, I, I'm just, it's on rewind. It's on rewind. It's rewinding right now in my head as we speak but the the whole album as a whole is just dope and i respect him as an artist because he he has to me he has like just like feel good music that just puts you in a headspace of just thinking and just kind of contemplating what you want to do with yourself and how you want to maneuver around and make money so it's just he's just dope he is just dope that's all i'm going to say it's just dope all around now sis what about you got you in your happy feelings Okay. Um, absolutely love it. Definitely going to check him out. Um, because, like, why not? Um, I would say for me, I love the elders. Okay? I love music that is timeless. I love music that we were brought up on, especially being raised in a Southern household. I love just being able to connect to, to, to music that puts into words what you're feeling, your emotions, just being able to see the greats who have existed, you know, and, and, and new other greats that you are extremely fond of. And so going to the One Music Fest this this year and having it be my first time, I was very honored to see the Isley Brothers um, perform. And I've always been a huge fan of the Isley Brothers and I think the verses this year really made me recognize that, girl, yeah, you've been an Earth, Wind & Fire fan, but since you really are a bigger fan of the Isley Brothers, and that's because Rhino Isley is no motherfucking joke. So seeing him perform and just being able to sing my heart out and not give a fuck who's around and be able to be connected to the music and living my best life around just the the elders and having us all bond through the love of music man that shit is timeless for most of it i wasn't even recording i was just there it was a fucking vibe i was there i was in tune i was connected it even got to the point where um some of my friends wanted to go see burner boy and he wasn't able to make it his band was but he, you know something happened and he wasn't able to make it and i made a conscious decision to stay and see the Isley brothers finish out you know um because i didn't i didn't have an interest to go see burner boy not because his music isn't great you know i think he's a great artist but if we talking about music that really connects for me that i grew up on that i may never get a chance to see again that's where it's at so, yeah. child, listen. Can I, was can, in I, there. Can, I, can I just chime in to, to, to I you? I will rule with you. 
girl. Oh, it, it, I, I was so when I when you sent me the snippet of the video, mm. and I know it was it was on a fight the power. So was mom. They say my music's too loud. For all this bullshit going down. <laughs> Period. I was in in I was in awe. I had to play it again. Mom and dad both went nuts. Yeah. I think what was so special about it is like for those of you who don't know, our mother is a cancer survivor and she also is an individual who has lost hearing as a result of um some of her treatment that she's had over time. And so like it's very hard sometimes for for her to hear us without her extra set of ears. And when you text me and told me that mom heard it without having her, her extra set of ears. in, I was just like, like I, it brought tears to my eyes because I'm like, that's what music does. You know, like such a beautiful moment. It was so dope. And when she said, that sound like Ronald Isley, I said, oh, Lord. I said, I have to tell, I have to tell Sissy that mom heard this without having her, 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 uh, her, uh, uh, hawk ears. I said, oh, Lord. I said, this is just (laughs) so special. I was like, OMG. That was everything. That right there was everything to me. So people don't realize that, 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 I said, people don't realize. And I said, when you show, when you show me that video and, People were just kind of standing around like, yo, do I not realize just the just the awe of what this man is in our musical history? Like just the fact that you and I have grown up on so much, mm-hmm. I mean, timeless music that we know this shit word by word. We know where the damn instrument comes in with the damn drum or the trumpet or the damn guitar. It's be you know what it's it, and I'm gonna say this sis because it's it's what's real. Um, I feel like a lot of people were saying I wanted to be really close, but a lot of people were standing around so that they could easily travel through the crowd and back to another stage. Gotcha. But I was just like, and I was like, I'm good where I'm at as long as I can see him. Even the dancers, they was fucking shit up. Like, who's that lady? Who's that lady? Sexy lady. Girl, I was screaming. And the thing is, I know that those who were like looking on my Instagram, like it sounded like I sounded crazy. But there were moments I was really on them notes, okay? And the elders called it out. You know how they get you ready? They get you ready for, for, they, they start playing old school music. Yes. They was playing Fuji's. Right, and it came Lauren part. Oh, 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 oh. they came to that part, right? Yeah. And um, I was like, well, I know they like to cut it, cut it short, so I'ma just go. I'ma just take it there. There was an elder about in his fifties with his cuff and his rag on his head, and I know that's goddamn right. You better sing that song, honey, honey. I don't give a damn if it is on the wrong part, okay? <laughs> Period. A woman smacked my hand because she was like, I was right with you. So that, I just said, I just I just love being black. Listen, people don't realize we be at concerts living our best life. Our best fucking life. Our, our elders that are around us, like, yo, like, how old are y'all? Like, are y'all? Th- 35, <laughs> maybe even 40. But that... <laughs> That that makes my heart smile because they 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 know you feel it. They know you understand. I feel it. I understand it. I said, who going? 
Who gonna try to tell me? I was, I was, you, you would have thought I was a motherfucking dancer for Ronna Isley, the way I was moving. Cutting a rug. When the elder told me, he said, you look like you're gonna cut a rug today. And I said, and show is. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love Ronna blackness man i love i love our spirit as a people it's so dope yo so dope so amazing and that is what gave me happy feelings <laughs> if you like this episode of the broke black bougie podcast i like shit you like shit i like shit i like shit a lot ha be sure to follow us on Instagram.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We're just going to bring it back, even though we don't really be active on there. Don't do much on there, but, you know, I, 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 we're going we gonna to figure something out for, for, for the Twitter lights. Um, but what I will say, and the most important thing about this all, is that when social media such, shuts down, it's very hard for us to interact with each, with each other, right? And the best way and the most efficient way for us to stay connected is for you to sign up for the Broke Black Bougie newsletter by visiting www.brokeblackbougie.com. Once again, visiting www.brokeblackbougie.com to stay in the know of all the latest tips, essays, events, things that are happening through Broke Black Bougie, how you can be a part of it and stay in touch. So don't miss out. Because oh lord, when we was when we was out, it was like, well, you know, you make me wanna shout. Put my hands up and come on now, come on entertain. Yeah, you will come on now. Say that you love me. Come on now. Yo, my favorite part is when when you look at the Temptations and the Temptations do the Isley Brothers song shout. Back in the day, our grandmother used to live off Saratoga, and she would always have the Temptations, those are the five heartbeats playing. And one day it was the Temptations, and that hand with that little off ride is done went up. I feel alright. I got my woman. At that, at that note, <laughs> how that hand done bent backwards, child, it is still in my head with her little snuff ball on the side, child, please. Okay, still to this day, still to this day, we cannot get that, that out of our hand. Is embedded in our head. <laughs> we were both there, but she did it, and it was like, oh, so this her shit. It was like, it was like, a, it was like a shouting moment. <laughs> She was literally shouting on that couch. I said, you freak. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yo, we'll talk to y'all later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>